You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, the message is titled, Ready for a Change. Ready for a Change. John chapter 5 is where we're going to start, and our main focus is going to be John chapter 5. Uh, it's uh, a favorite story of mine in uh, the interactions of Jesus. I like to look at uh, moments where someone's life intersected Jesus and they were changed forever, uh, where they encountered him in a way that was life-changing, life-transforming. Uh, and, and so many times, you know, the greatest miracles weren't always just in a, uh, a religious worship setting. They happened as Jesus would impact people everywhere he would go. Uh, you'd see the blind healed on the street. You'd see uh, lepers come to him and say, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And uh, as a a declaration of God's goodness and faithfulness and willingness to heal, save, set free, he said, I am willing, be cleansed. And he he touched that man. And here in John chapter 5, we see a similar story. Uh, And it says here in verse 2, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. The sheep gate is the place where the, as the name suggests, the sheep were taken. It's super deep. There you go. If you want to know the, what the meaning of that is, it's, the, it's where the sheep would be taken, the lambs taken, the sacrificial offerings taken through the sheep gate to the temple in Jerusalem. And just beside that is this pool. The sheep gate is the place where uh, the, the, the offering and the sacrifice, the lambs were going to be taken just as they were being prepared to be offered uh, as, to provide atonement and sacrifice for the, the sins of the people. But here today, we find what those were just a picture of. We see that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is about to show up right there at the Sheep Gate. It says there's a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. Bethesda has several uh, nuanced meanings, but essentially it means the house of outpouring or the house of mercy and grace. The house of outpouring or the house of mercy and grace. Having their five porches or porticos, five platforms where people would gather. It says in these five porches lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, and all of them had one thing, in, in mind. All of them have one primary activity. It says they're waiting. They're waiting for the moving of the water at the pool of Bethesda. And here's why it says that's happening. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. I, I was thinking this story is so strange to me because it never happens anywhere else in the entire Bible. Uh, it, it's not as if, you know, there was, uh, you know, a, a, a picture of, of Jesus on a you know, piece of French toast, and that was what everybody was waiting to go. <laughs> but here, here's what's happening. An angel's coming, and, and whether or not this is the case or, or just it's what they're expecting, but every time it says that they would step in, only the first person to get in, it kind of would be a mad rush to the pool, and only one, the first one to get in the water, I don't know why that is, but the first one to get in was healed, and everybody else had to go back and wait. And so, of course, naturally, they're waiting. They're in this place of, of healing, but it's not enough. They're in a place of help, but it's not enough. They're in a place of outpouring, but they're still empty. They're in a place uh, awaiting something to happen. And among them is what it says, and this is where the focus is now going to go, from the multitude to one man, because God is always after one. He's after you. He's after me. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. 
years. When Jesus saw him lying there, Jesus shows up, he sees this man in the midst of the crowd, and he knew already that he had been there in that condition a long time. So he said to the man something that I think is very unusual for a lot of us because he's kind of stating the obvious, but here's what he asks him, and it's very important. He says, do you want to be made well, I've got three points for you today as we talk about ready for a change. Everybody is at the house, at the house of grace, at the house of outpouring. They're there, and it's a great picture of what happens when people are looking for something to bring help, relief, uh, freedom, joy, peace, whatever it is. Everybody's looking for something in the world. The question is, where is our expectation from? Sometimes we're looking to people to be the answer. We're looking for spiritual experiences, certain things to be the answer. But this day, as they're looking at this pool, they're expecting an angel to come. And I always think, my, this is my opinion, I think the angel was just playing in the water. I don't know. Uh, but, but, but they somehow developed a theology and they had this whole thing. They're, they're surrounded and they're waiting for a moment to happen. They're waiting for a moment of change. But all of them missed the most important thing, except one man. Because here on this day, Jesus walks in. Jesus walks into the crowd. He walks by the pool of Bethesda, and here he sees this one man who's been laid there not for a moment or a week or a month or a year, but he's had this infirmity and this condition for 38 years. And Jesus is about to change everything for him. When you and I encounter Jesus, it changes everything. But I want to start with this. Point number one, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. And uh, I think this is important because the house of grace really is just a picture to point us to what we have in Jesus ultimately, that we find freedom, mercy, uh, hope, and grace in poured into our lives through Jesus Christ, that we've received redemption. Mercy is when we uh, don't get what we deserved. That there was a price for our sin. There was a consequence for our sin. And yet, mercy from God is when we don't get what we deserve. But his grace takes it a step further. It's when we get what we never deserved. Not only are we, are, does, does God withhold what we would get as the price for and the ultimate penalty and consequence of our sin, but in Jesus we find grace. We find that he takes us, to put it in financial terms, he takes us out of the red, but he puts us into the black. He adds something to our life. He doesn't just forgive you of your sin. He gives you his righteousness and puts you right with God. That's good news, church. He gives you a calling and a purpose and a hope. He gives you future and promise. And here this man has a condition for 38 years and everybody's waiting for something to change. But this man is about to have a moment with Jesus that is his time for a real lasting change, something that 38 years of infirmity could not overcome. And it was the presence of Jesus. It's time for change. We know that the Bible says in the New Testament church that God would pour out his spirit, Acts chapter two, verse 17, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So, so of course, in any season, especially as we get closer to the return of Christ, there's an anticipation of the last days and the last things, and while there's great darkness associated with many of those things, we also recognize that here's the promise of God, that God pours out his spirit. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. In other words, they'll declare the word of the Lord. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Revival's not just for the young, it's for the old. Thank you, Jesus. It's for everybody. It's for every generation to encounter God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe today God wants to cause you to dream again. He's gonna awaken some things that you've thought are buried and forgotten and lost. He says, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my men servants, my maid servants, men and women both, every group, every, 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 every class, every, every, here's what he says, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. God does something in his church when he pours out his spirit. Uh, we'll pause in that story. I wanna take you to Matthew 9 for a moment. Uh, Matthew 9 is Jesus describing a change. And he's describing a change that happens that, you know, I've I found in, I think now it's 18 years of ministry, that most people want change. They just don't like what goes with change. Because <laughs> change, real and lasting change, starts with me, starts with you. You know, we, we, we want others around us to change. We want circumstances to be better. We want, you know, things in society to change. But it always starts with us. It even starts with the church, as, as, as God says in his word, that, that his judgment begins at the house of God. That means that God starts with the church, changing, transforming. Uh, he starts in us, making a church that can represent him well to the world around us because we owe the world an encounter with Jesus. Religion hasn't done it. We need to give a real and authentic Jesus. But here's what happens is yeah, in, in, in moments of change, God begins to meet us and he pours out his spirit in our lives. He pours out freedom. He pours out joy. But one of the things I've noticed over the years is that we'll have meetings or church services or we'll have moments of great uh, growth or great transformation. But if we don't change other things about our life, oftentimes the moment doesn't last. What starts doesn't have an opportunity to be finished. And God begins something in us that we don't allow him to, to, to work to completion. So, but here's, here's what he says. In Matthew chapter nine, verse 16, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Verse 17, I shared this at Encounter Night, so those of you there, bear with me. Uh, but verse 17, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break. So they would use animal skins called wineskins that become wineskins that, that would be function as a, a large, basically a, a bottle. So they would fill them with new wine and as it fermented, it would expand and it would, it, new wineskins would be flexible. Old wineskins would be rigid and inflexible. And so here's what he says. He says, they don't put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. One of the other gospels account says, you know, no one says, when they begin with the, the new wine skin that they, they always tend to say, or this is kind of human nature, that they, the old is better. We, we like things the way they were. Uh, you know, we've just, as a society, are looking to get things back to the way they were before 2020. But can I just tell you, there's some things that won't go back, but there's some things that God wants to do that are far much better, that are so much better. I don't know if that makes, okay. <laughs> I got too many uh, teachers in the room. I got to make sure I correct my grammar. Uh, but, but here's what Jesus is saying. So he says, no one takes something old and put on something new, and nobody takes the, the new wine and put it in old wineskin. And here's, here's what I believe God's doing. God is pouring out some things in our life, but unless the wineskin changes, we can't handle what God wants to do. And, and, and 
see, a wineskin for us can be just something as simple as our mindset. It can be our habits. It can be certain things about our life, certain cycles, certain things in our life that don't make room, that be, make us inflexible, that as God's trying to do something new in our life, maybe we're praying for change, but we don't want to change. Oh God, change my spouse. Oh God, do something in my boss. Help me with that coworker. God, change the environment. And God starts, okay, we're going to start in you. Ouch. But it's beautiful because God begins something on the inside of us that creates capacity in our lives. If God is working on the inside of you to bring change and transformation, that's good news. That's good news because it means he's getting you ready for something new he wants to pour in. It's time for change. But for there to be real and lasting change, we have to, see, see here's the problem. The whole crowd, their wineskin in that moment, their mindset is we're looking for something. But when Jesus shows up, they miss him in the crowd. They're looking, their expectation's in the wrong place. They're, they're looking for something to fill they can't fill. They're looking for something to meet a need they can't meet a need. And they miss Jesus in the crowd, except for one single man who's been there for 38 years. All of us are waiting for something, but where is our expectation from? I believe for God to pour something new into my life and yours, we have to be willing to allow him to change us, change whether it's our mindset, our habits, maybe it's our expectation. You know, I feel like we settle into a level of faith in our walk with God where we just get used to things. And we stop stretching our faith. You know, what, 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 one of the attributes, as I've already mentioned, of the new wineskin is it's stretched. It was flexible. God wants to stretch our faith. If my faith is the same in a year as it is right now, I'm not growing. I'm not being stretched. Hello, church. And I think the reason why we find ourselves in a place where it doesn't grow isn't because of what's being poured in, it's because of the container we receive it into. It's because God's teaching, God's pouring, God's showing, God's working in our midst, but we don't allow him to do on the, you know, God can pour in something on Sunday, but if Monday through Saturday I don't have the wineskin changed, it doesn't stick. So, so let's let God do whatever he wants to do. Sometimes it's our wineskins could be our spiritual diet, our own plans. We become inflexible as God was wanting to do something new in our life. Sometimes it's even our relationships that can restrict or even limit what God's trying to do in and through us. And so, you know, I want to be around people that stretch my faith. How about you? I want to be around people that challenge me to go after God. I want to, be, you know, that, that's, that's so important. So second point is, comes from what Jesus says to the man. He walks up to him and he says something that, again, I think is unusual, but it's faith-provoking. There's a reason Jesus asked this. So there's, there's another story where a, a blind man comes to Jesus and he has to be led to him. You know, here's Jesus walking by and the blind man cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops as he's walking with his disciples and he turns to the man, Bartimaeus, and he says, bring him here to me. And, and as he's being led over blind, it's obvious what his need is. He's blind and he has to be led over to Jesus. When he comes over, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? What a weird question. Isn't it obvious? 
He says to the man who's been, who's 38 years old, who's laid every day, he's, he's been stuck there by the pool of Bethesda, and everybody's there for one reason. Got to get in the pool. <laughs> we need change. We need healing. We need something to be different. And, and, and you know what happens? Jesus comes to him and says, do you want it? I mean, do you want it? Well, of course I want it. I'm sitting here by the pool. No, no, no. Do you want to be made whole? You know what his response is to Jesus? Let's look at it. (laughs) Verse 7. The sick man answered and said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. I have nobody else. I'm all alone. When the water's stirred up, and while I'm coming, I'm crawling over, I'm trying to get to it. He says, another step's in front of me. I can't make it ahead. See, he's alone, he's been rejected, he's been abandoned, he's been forgotten. I don't know, you know, even, even, when, I'm, even when people are not really alone, they, through self-pity, say they're alone. Oh, I don't have anybody. Nobody's ever had self-pity or been around somebody that does, right? You, you, you've got your family, you've got... People love you, but you just at that moment, oh, nobody even cares about me. But whether he's alone and it's real or it's just his feeling, either way, his focus is still in the wrong place. He says, sir, I have no man. Jesus is there. He's, he's watched every day at that pool, lambs being taken to the temple. But here today, he meets the lamb of God. He meets one greater than the temple. He meets Jesus, the son of the living God, who's standing right there before him, and he says, do you want to be made well? Second point is this, do you really want it? Do you really want it? Because if we want change, it's time for change. It's time for a moment where we can step into and experience what I believe God has purpose for this moment in our life. But we've got to really want it. And, and, and this is so important. You know, I found that you can be surrounded by people and still be alone. You can be in a crowd and still be alone. He's got a few questions that need answering. Uh, his problem is wrong dependence. His problem is, well, who's going to help me? You know, a lot of us think like that. You know, well, if, if things were going to be different in my life, I need somebody else to help change it. I need, I need my ship to come in. <laughs> And, and, and our question is, who? Maybe, maybe that's not your question. Maybe your question is, when? Oh, when are things going to be different? When is my life going to change? When, is, when am I going to break this habit? When am I, I going to have this relationship restored? When, when, God? Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's how. I, I think that messes more people up. <laughs> how? Oh, God, how are you going to do it? How? Do you know Jesus is the answer to all three of those? He, he's the who? Sir, I have no man. You don't need another man. You don't need another relationship. You don't need another person. You don't need anything else to change your life. You don't need another thing to fill your life. You don't need to, there's not one more thing you can buy that'll change things. There's, there's, not one, uh, there's not one circumstance that, that can be what you need, but here's what he finds. Jesus is right there in the midst. He's the answer to the who. And the when is pretty obvious. Jesus is there. 
and an entire crowd of people miss what this man is about to experience. I don't want to be in the crowd and miss what God wants to do in my life. The how, we're going to see. But I want you to catch this, because right in front of him, he had the answer. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, I want to give you this. Ephesians 1 and, and part of chapter 2. It says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, that's, that's the beginning of a kind of, a, we would call it a benediction, a blessing. But he's, he's describing this. And he says something that I think is absolutely essential for every single one of us to get. He has blessed us, listen to what this says, with every spiritual blessing. Everything we need is available in Jesus. I think it's tragic when God's children approach him and their attitude and our mindset is like an orphan and we've been adopted. Oh God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? And he's got a whole buffet right on the table. God, I'm hungry. It's right there. <laughs> he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That means he's got the answer for your life, your family, your situation, your job, your business, whatever it is that concerns you, he has exactly what you and I need. Just as he chose us, verse four, in him before the foundation of the world, he chose you, he called you, that we should be wholly set apart without blame before him in love, having predestined us or chosen us beforehand to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us, read that word together, accepted. He has made you accepted in the beloved, capital B, that's in Jesus. So in God, you have acceptance. If you've been accepted by God, you don't have to worry about people rejecting you. I, I, I talked about that recently. Last week, actually, we are talking about the fear, fear of rejection. I don't have to let that rule my life. Why? Because of what this says. We're accepted. In Jesus, you have acceptance. So, so why that's important is we often look to people to move the water. We look to circumstances to stir the waters. If this happens, if that person notices, if I just get that affirmation, then I'll have what I need. But the reality is we've got Jesus right there. We've got Jesus and we're accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's good news, church. It's according to the riches of his grace. You know, if, if, if I meet a millionaire and they give me out of their riches, they could give me $5. But he doesn't say God gave us out of. It says according to. That means According to the measure of the depths of God's grace and goodness towards you and I, God has poured out everything we need in Jesus. He doesn't, some of, some of us have this view of God like, oh God, if you could do anything, please drop a dewdrop of, of help from heaven. Oh God, please. That's why we're not more than conquerors. That's, that's why we're just trying to survive because we're, Approaching God like orphans instead of adopted sons and daughters, accepted in the beloved, forgiven, made right. Ephesians 2, verse 1, the very next chapter, he says, You, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Just like that man is unable to save himself, unable to change his situation, unable to do anything to help himself, that's where we were without Jesus. But he made us alive. 
in which you also once walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, but God, who is rich in mercy. Because, this is why God does everything he does in our lives, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin and in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Come on, church, that's good news. That's reason to celebrate. That's reason to thank God. That's reason to get up in the morning and, and, and worship the king and celebrate who he is. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us who are in Christ Jesus. You know, my, my parents, well, at least I used to feel this way until I moved out. Then they gave me all my, my crud. But I had these trophies from my baseball career that ended at T-ball. And, and I remember having those up on the shelf because they were proud of it. I was proud of it when I was little, you know, look at what, look what happened. And uh, we won some kind of, you know, we won the championship the year I was started in Little League. And so I had that trophy and we had all these trophies. And you put a trophy on display because you're proud of it. Here's what God says right here in Ephesians 2. He's putting us for the ages to come. Let me just read this again for you. That in the ages to come, verse 7, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace towards us in Christ Jesus. He's like, look, look, look at my, look at what I've done. Look at the redemption. Look at the, look. We were lost, but then we were found. We were bound, but then he made us free. That's, that's what it means to encounter the reality of Jesus. But I want you to catch this because while everything we need is provided, how do we receive it? Do you want to be made whole? How do we receive from God? And of course, it starts with our salvation. It starts when we say yes to Jesus. We receive it by grace. Here's what he says. This is not of your works, lest any man should boast. But he says it's by grace through faith. He says, verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is the action of believing and receiving from God. So grace provides, faith receives. And it starts with salvation. Can I just help you? It's every interaction we have with God. Heaven's provided for us every spiritual blessing we need. Everything's available. We don't have to wait for an angel to play in some water. Come on, church. You, you already, the day you said yes to Jesus, you can be saved for 10 seconds and have access to everything that every Christian, every believer for all time has provided for you. It's like an ocean. But you can still go thirsty if you don't draw out the water you need. You, you can still go hungry if you don't eat. And so faith is how we receive what grace has provided. Number three, third and final point is Jesus changes everything. You know, real life change comes from responding to Jesus because here's what happens, verse 7, Jesus says to him, or verse 6, he says, do you want to be made whole? And he says, I have no man, I have nobody, I don't have anyone, it's so sad. And every time I try to crawl my way to the front, somebody gets in front of me, and those, man, those good-for-nothing people that cut me off, and that person hurt me, and this. Oh, if, if he would just catch it for just a moment. Good news is he does. Jesus says, okay, let me help you. Rise, 
take up your bed and walk. The thing that you've been laying on, depending on, the thing that represents your paralyzed season where things couldn't change for 38 years, the thing that held you, I want you to pick it up. See, see, what changed in that moment is the presence of Jesus stepped into that man's world. And that was enough. And then Jesus gave his word. And it's the response to what he said that changed everything for the man. It's our response to what he has said that changes everything for us. When we do what he's said, when we respond in faith and receive what grace has freely provided, we rise, take up our bed, and move forward. It's time, church, to get up. It's time to arise. That word rise in Greek literally means this. We'll put that on the screen. It means to awaken, to rouse from sleep, from sitting, from lying, from disease, death, obscurity, ruin, inactivity, and non-existence. So, so if you've got any of those in the list, <laughs> it's time to get up because of Jesus. It's time to get up. It's time to get up out of addiction. It's time to get up out of shame. It's time to get up out of fear. It's time to get up out of the thing that's held you because Jesus changes everything. Can I tell you, church, when he steps into, just like he stepped into the, that man's world, everything changed. He didn't have to wait for an angel to play with the water. Everything was different. Jason, if you and the team want to come. I love this. This man had to do two things. He had to change his belief. He doesn't, there's not one more thing he says until after. Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. He could have responded, well, I can't do that. He could have gone back to his who, when, how. (laughs) Well, the when's easy now because today's the day. I don't, I don't know what it is about kind of the religious mindset. And, and before we think, you know, as, as good spirit-filled people that we can't be religious, oh, we can. Because religion is preoccupied with what happened yesterday and what might someday happen. But what about today? Today. He said in his word, today's the day of salvation. You know, I spent years of my life running from God and saying to God, tomorrow I will. Tomorrow I'll say yes. Tomorrow I'll surrender. Tomorrow I'll trust you. You know, for some people, tomorrow never shows up. An entire crowd of people missed the real lamb by the sheep gate in the house of outpouring. But one man does. He gets up, picks up his mat, and starts walking, letting us know that when Jesus shows up, we don't have to stay in our condition any longer. We don't have to stay bound. We don't have to stay in fear and in shame. We can be free. Would you stand to your feet? The third thing he says to him, after telling him to rise, take up his mat as he says start walking do what you couldn't do before start walking 
church, it's time for us to receive what Jesus paid for on the cross in every area of our lives. In freedom. It's time to walk in freedom. It's, it, it's time to walk in healing. It's time to walk in joy. understand how we think we're going to change the world with empty religion and sour faces. Do you know children were drawn to Jesus? Anybody ever get drawn to hang out with that crabby looking relative? <laughs> I, I had one of my favorite people in the world is my, my great aunt. And she, ended up finding out in adulthood she's the sweetest lady on the planet but she just had a look on her face just had that look like she looks angry all the time and I found out she wasn't when I broke one of her favorite vases I was playing she had like one of those lazy boy chairs that would rock and so of course like any child would do I rocked it too much knocked her vase <laughs> shattered it and I was terrified then she came. Well, first thing she, she said was worse than if she had yelled at me. She said, I didn't think you'd be the cousin to do this. <laughs> but she just was so sweet. And after that, I started to notice a smile on her face, and that would draw me to hang out with her. But you know, kids are drawn to joy. People are drawn to joy. Peace is a witness to a world that's caught up in a storm that it cannot be rescued from without God. But you and I are sent there. Jesus is the hope of the world. It's time for us to walk in freedom, walk in joy, walk in peace. And whatever it is that you're believing for God to change today, I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come down. Whatever it is you're asking God to change today in your life, maybe it's for you personally, I always know that God's about to pour something greater into my life because he starts rearranging some things, changing some things, reminding me of certain priorities that I might have lost sight of, making time that I wasn't making. And so, so that God will begin to rearrange all because of what he wants to pour in. So maybe today the Holy Spirit's already beginning to speak to you about some areas to rearrange. Let him do it. Because if you'll, if you'll let him do what he wants to on the inside of you, he can pour into your life everything that he's purposed. I, I want us as a church, you know, we don't want to ever be inflexible. We don't want to ever get to that place. You know, the beauty of being a two-year-old church is we don't have any of those. There's nothing to be able to say, well, this is the way we've always done it. But you know, that'll happen one day yeah. if we're not careful. The form is never what's important. It's the message and the presence. Real quick story. No, I don't have time for that. Never mind. We got second service coming. Let me pray for you. If you have a need today, I want to invite you down to the front. If you need healing, freedom, joy, whatever it is.
Maybe you need God to move in your family, your marriage, your, among your kids, whatever it is you're believing God for. I just feel faith is rising in this room. Let's just begin to declare God's word over our family. Let's just begin to receive for ourselves all that God has promised. If you don't have a relationship with God and you'd like to begin one today, come down. We want to pray with you right up here at the front. Meet with one of our team members. No matter what it is, we want to pray with you and declare God's word over you. If you need healing today, don't wait for something to stir. Turn to Jesus. His promise is true. Let's worship together. If you have a need, come on down. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.